there's some parables that Jesus offers to us um, that might seem a little complicated. It might seem, they may be hard to understand. We need a little bit of unpacking to really understand the meaning of what he's trying to say. There's multiple times in the, in the scriptures when the, the, the apostles asked Jesus, hey, what, what did that parable mean? What did you mean by that parable? It went over their heads. So if it went over their heads, then it must have gone over everybody's head, right? Some of those parables require a little, a little bit extra to really get the full meaning of it. Then there's some of the parables, like I think this one that we heard today, that don't actually require that. It's actually very simple, which is perhaps the, the hard part, the part that strikes us. The simple message of the sheep and the goats, and the king who comes to judge the sheep and the goats, right? Jesus lifts up this, um, this commandment of love of neighbor, caring for the least ones of these as, as, the, as the criteria. This is an end, kind of like an end of the world, second coming parable, and that's the criteria that Jesus uses to separate. So what I want to do is kind of unpack, who is, what, what, who's the king? What kind of king is this? Then what did the sheep do, and what did the goats do, and how do we respond to that, right? I think in America, we, we have a little bit of a, a res, like an ingrown resistance to the idea of a king, right? Like our nation was literally born out of resistance to a king, right? We see a king in a very negative light, a tyrant, someone who imposes his will upon us, someone who, who oppresses, someone who does whatever he wants without t- having concern for the people. And so when we hear king and Jesus as king, we can kind of push back against that. Um, but it's very important to notice what we hear in the scriptures, what kind of king Jesus proclaims himself to be. The first reading talks about a shepherd king who desires nothing more than to gather his flock all into one fold. That was he, his number one desire was that everyone, he might be able to care for everyone under his, under his rule. He wants to be a symbol of protection, a means of unity. Everyone come together under one flock. His desire is more than anything to bring us into his rule, right? Jesus is a king we see in the gospel who prepared a kingdom for, for his people from the foundation of the world. He has this desire to bring his people into this kingdom, to bless them and to give them eternal life, eternal happiness. That's the kind of king that Jesus is. And he's a king who doesn't lord his power over the people, but he's a king, he in fact identifies himself with the lowest of the low. What you do for them is what you do for me. He identifies himself, says, I am so close to my people that I am literally one with them. Whatever you do to anyone you encounter, you do it to me. I love my people so much that I unite myself fully to each one of them, no matter how great or how small, how perfect or how imperfect they are. I unite myself to them. I am one with them. That's how much I love them. That's how much Jesus loves us. It's a glimpse of the kind of king that he is, the heart that he has for his people. It's what a king ought to be. That's what Jesus' desire is for us. And as he separates the sheep and the goats, he uses, like we said, this criteria of love. The corporal works of mercy. Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting those who need it, caring for those in need, loving the people who are right in front of us. That's that's what Jesus uses to separate this. And I find it striking, two things I find striking. Number one, he doesn't desire the goats to go to, to where he sends them. It says, 
the eternal fire wasn't prepared for the goat. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. He didn't want to, to, to allow them to go there, but he, he respected them enough and he gave them free will to make the choice. His desire is that all of us might come to this kingdom that's been prepared for us from the foundation of the world. God's desire is not to punish. His desire is to bring us into the fold. And I'm struck by the responses that the, the sheep and the goats both had. They're, they're not actually sheep and goats, it's people, obviously, but I'm struck by their responses because their responses are actually almost identical. When did we do that? Or when didn't we do that? Neither of them had any idea that they had either met or didn't meet the criteria, which can kind of be scary. They did, the, the goats didn't know that they didn't do that. They said, Lord, when didn't we do that? The sheep didn't know that they had been doing that. Lord, when did, when did we do any of this stuff? But what's striking is that the same words reveal two different dispositions of the heart. The same words reveal two different dispositions of the heart. The sheep didn't think they deserved what they were receiving. Lord, when did we do any of this stuff? I didn't do any of this. I don't think I don't. When did we do any of this? Jesus acknowledges the fact that they approach and they respond from a disposition of humility. Lord, I don't deserve this. They recognize, just like Jesus says, that they are blessed by the Father. It's not their own works that save them. It's the fact that they're blessed by the Father and they allowed His grace to work through them. Because of their humility, they were able to accept the gift that God had given to them. It's not about resting on all the good works that I've done. They responded in total humility. They recognized their need. They probably recognized all the times that they had failed. They recognized their need for the King, their need for the Father, and they were open to receive that. The goats, on the other hand, when they were convicted and said, Lord, we well, didn't do any of these things, they said, Lord, well, when didn't we do that? It's almost like they're denying the, the, the critique that Jesus offers to them. When did we see you do all these things and not see you in all these places and not minister to you? I'm sure we did this or that or the other. It wasn't even because they had done anything wrong. Jesus doesn't condemn them and say, you broke this commandment, this commandment, this commandment. It's just you didn't do that. And in that, in that, in that conviction, it may perhaps out of a little bit of a pride, they kind of said, well, no, when, when didn't we do that? Perhaps they struggled to recognize their need for the king. And so they tried to justify themselves. And it reminds, me, it reminds me of back to the garden of Adam and Eve. When God called Adam and Eve and said, Adam and Eve, what have you done? And, and Eve says, he made me do it. And Adam says, or no, Adam says, she made me do it. And then Eve says, the serpent made me do it. I wonder what would have happened in the garden if Adam and Eve just came before God and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. We messed up. We need your help. Please forgive us. I wonder what would have happened to the goats if they would have said, God, I'm so sorry, I need your help. Like, help me to do better. I want to do better. I'm weak. Please help me. Please come and be king in my life. Let me live within your rule and within your grace. Our natural tendency whenever we're, we're, um, whenever we're hurt, whenever we're pushed, whenever we're critiqued, is to justify ourselves, right? The lesson of the sheep and the goats is not to rest on all my good works and try, and although the good works are good, but the good works are not going to be what gets me into the kingdom. It's my recognition of a need for a king. 
My recognition that every moment I am weak and it's only because I'm blessed by my Father that I'm able to do anything. And so every single day I ask Jesus to come and to be king in my life, that his grace may fill my heart so that because of his kingship, I can then live out the mission that he's calling me to. That's very hard. It's very hard to love the least of these. It's very hard, both the least of these, both as we do the corporate works of mercy, of feeding the poor, and doing good for those who are sick or who are ill or who are in prison. It's also very hard to love the least of these in my life, to love the people who may hurt me, people who may offend me, the people who may aggravate me, who may just push those right buttons. It's very hard to love them. The king gives us an example. He identifies with the lowest. As opposed to trying to lift ourselves up, the invitation is to lower ourselves, acknowledge my need for God, my need for his grace, and to invite him in those moments and in those relationships to come and to be king of my life. That's why we, and we, because we can't do that on our own, that's why we pray. That's why it's pray and love. We are only able to love to the extent that we're able to pray and ask God for the grace to love. To the extent that he is able to rule over our hearts, that's where the grace comes from to do the mission that he has for us. The invitation today as we we see these two things is to invite Jesus anew to come in to be king of my heart totally. It's perfect that we all celebrate this feast right before Advent, which is a whole season dedicated to preparing our hearts to receive the king who comes not triumphantly, but who comes as a little humble baby. A weak little baby, the perfect symbol of total need. That's the kind of king that Jesus is and the kind of king that we strive to imitate. So as we prepare for Advent very soon, as we celebrate this feast today, we ask Jesus to come and to be king of my heart as I acknowledge my need for him, my need for humility, so that by receiving that, I can then live out the mission that he's calling me to.